0: Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. And once again, I want to welcome all of you to Baseline and Grace's joint Good Friday service. So my name's Chris Jackson. I'm one of the pastors over at Grace Church, and I'll be talking to you tonight and then also during part of the message on Easter Sunday. We have a a dynamic tag team message prepared for the sermon part of Easter Sunday. And don't, don't you love the tent and the palm trees? I know you baseline people have seen that for years, but this is our first time seeing it. That's pretty awesome. It's going to be an amazing morning. We have a 6.30 sunrise service. Pastor Isaiah is leading worship. Pastor Ken is speaking. Then we have 9 and 11 Easter morning services. It's going to be a powerful time. So I'm sure you've already invited your friends. You've already been passing out flyers. But but it's not too late to urge someone to join you and to worship with you. So glad you're here. And I love these moments when the global church gathers together around a theme or a a time for the same purpose. Uh, The the church calendar has Good Friday as the day when followers of Jesus all over the planet pause to remember the events of the crucifixion and the death of Jesus at the original Good Friday almost 2,000 years ago. And, And I love thinking about the time zones of the nations, and how the fact that people worship and remember at the different times of their nation and their culture, and it creates kind of an international wave effect like in a big sports arena. You know, when when one group stands, they rise together and then sit so that the next group can rise and then pass it off to the next. Do you know, there have already been Christians in Beijing and Cambodia and Kenya and even in Ukraine who have risen to recognize Good Friday and Jesus and what he means for us. And tonight it's our turn. So whenever we're considering something as epic or as cosmic as the crucifixion of Jesus, there are so many amazing parts of the story that we could focus in on. But tonight I'd like us to consider just one part of the story. I want us to think about what caused Jesus' death physiologically? What was it about the crucifixion that actually brought him to the point of dying? I mean, we know from the scriptures that, that in a spiritual sense, Jesus had taken the sins of the world and absorbed them in his own body. And then he defeated all of those things by dying and then being raised back to life again. But, but from a biological standpoint, from a, a bodily standpoint, what killed Jesus? That there were a lot of parts of the crucifixion that could have killed him. I mean, Roman crucifixion was brutal. Just the scourging alone could have caused his death. when they beat him with the whips, it tore his body apart. In fact, people often died during the scourging before they even got to the crucifixion. He could have died when they smashed a crown of thorns into his skull and then beat him on the head with sticks. I mean, that could make somebody die. He could have died from blood loss. He could have died from suffocation. In fact, most crucifixion victims died of suffocation before their other wounds had a chance of killing them. But, but I don't think that's what killed him. There, there's a fascinating verse in John chapter 19. So what, why don't you go there with me? Why don't you open your iPhones to John 19 that there's a curious verse that gives us kind of a medical insight into what it was that may have actually led to Jesus Christ's death. In John chapter 19, verse 31, it says, Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken. And the bodies taken down. And the, the hypocrisy in this moment is almost incomprehensible. We have just facilitated the unjust execution of an innocent man. Some people think he's the sinless son of God. But regardless, we just murdered an innocent man. But, but tomorrow, we're going to honor God by resting on the Sabbath. So do you mind taking those bodies down for us? It, it's staggering. But in the next verse, the soldiers therefore came and they broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And the sudden flow of blood and water that poured out of Jesus' side indicates heart failure. When the human heart gets strained to the point of of, um, failure, the tissue around the pericardium draws fluid and water from the other parts of the body, and it swells. Um, From a a medical, technical uh, perspective, Jesus died of heart failure. His human heart broke. Have you ever had your heart broken? And I I could probably get as many yeses to that question if I asked, how many of you tonight are human? (laughs) Because to be human is to risk heartbreak. Rather than asking, have you ever had your heart broken? I could ask, when's the last time you had your heart broken? Have you ever been unlucky in love? Have you ever thought you were lucky in love, but then the person you loved turned on you? Have you ever been lucky? Has that happened? Is that why you're smirking? <laughs> I feel like I'm very close to you right now. Is this a little too close? <laughs> and I love the hair, by the way. But have you ever been lucky in love, but then the person that you loved um, died or lost their memory? Have you ever um, loved someone, and they made choices that hurt them, but because you love them, their choices crushed you? You know, parenting is a pretty courageous endeavor. To be a parent is to have your heart leave your chest and attach itself to this clumsy little human and then follow it around for the rest of your life knowing that when they trip, your heart gets bruised. When they get hurt, your heart bleeds. And if that sounds unhealthy and terribly codependent, (laughs) welcome to parenthood. (laughs) There are some people who would love the chance to experience the risks of parenthood, but they can't have children. So their heart breaks in different ways. Their heart breaks on Mother's Day and Father's Day and Child Dedication Sunday and when friends post gender reveal parties online. Have you ever lost a child or a sibling or a parent or a spouse or or a dream? Have you ever had your heart break emotionally, but it affected you so much that you could actually feel it physically? Did you know that that our bodies actually manifest emotional pain physically. From a physiological perspective, heartbreak creates stress, and we all know how damaging stress can be, and the brain processes emotional pain the same way it processes physical pain, which is why we we ache on the inside, but we feel it in our body, and so we say things like, my heart was shattered, or it was a gut-wrenching experience, or I felt like my insides were just torn apart. We describe heartbreak in such a way that it hints at what it actually does to us. Acute emotional stress can actually cause the left ventricle of the human heart to be stunned or paralyzed. And when that happens, it triggers heart attack-like symptoms. So a person can actually have severe chest or shoulder or arm pain or dizziness or nausea or, or, or fatigue or, or vomiting. Now, the good news is that those symptoms go away, and they don't usually create actual long-term physical damage, and so that's the good news. The bad news, though, is that people actually feel like they're having a full-on heart attack. There's actually a a medical name for heartbreak-induced pain. It's Takotsubo Cardiomyopathy. Let me try it again. Takotsubo Cardiomyopathy. Here's how Cedars-Sinai in L.A. describes this. Takotsubo Cardiomyopathy, or TCM, is generally a short-term, a temporary type of heart condition. It can be triggered by an intense emotional or physical stress. It causes sudden chest pain or shortness of breath. The symptoms of TCM can look like a heart attack. It's also called stress-induced cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome. Jesus died of a broken heart. And can you imagine what it would have been like if he hadn't? Could you imagine an all-powerful God without a broken heart? Can you imagine um, a a, a God that didn't have that? A broken heart is what makes you relatable. It's what makes you approachable. It's what makes you able to comfort and to heal. Um, Hebrews 4.15 tells us, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. In Psalm 34, 18, David said, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3, the apostle Paul described God as the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles, God could never be the source of all comfort if he hadn't had a broken heart. See, there's a level of comfort that can only come from someone who actually understands. Anyone can echo truth. And and by the way, echoes of truth can still be powerful and very helpful. But the person with authority in a situation is a person who has actually lived that same kind of situation, and so they know. Um, When Jessica and I lost our first daughter, and she was three and a half, we heard lots of echoes of truth. We had so many people echoing to us the truths that they had heard, and and some of it was great, some of it was very helpful, but but there was a, a, a significant difference between somebody echoing truth and somebody who had actually lost a child. But the, the interesting thing, though, is when somebody had actually lived that story, they usually didn't say very much. They usually just showed up and cried. I think sometimes tears are comfort's best dialect. Uh, sometimes God can be pretty quiet. Uh, Mother Teresa was interviewed by Dan Rather from CBS News. And he wanted to talk to her about prayer. And he said, so tell me, when you, when you pray to God, what do you say to him? And she said, I usually don't say very much. I mostly just listen. And he said, okay, well, when God talks to you, what does he say? And she said, he usually doesn't say much. <laughs> he mostly just listens, too. But then she said this. She said, and if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. See, sometimes there's a silence in God that is pregnant with communication. It's bursting with communication because it's the silence of one who understands. It's the silence of one who went there first. He went before us and died of a broken heart, so he, 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 he knows. You know what I've noticed? It's... It's not usually the people who have suffered greatly who are cynical or dismissive about lesser sufferings. If someone loses their spouse and then they talk to a junior high student who's just gone through a first love breakup, they don't scoff. Oh, wait till you really lose someone. No, they hug them and they cry because they get it. You know, in my experience with my fellow humans, it seems to me it's the people who have suffered the least who have the least amount of compassion for people who are suffering. Jesus suffered the most, and he is the God of all compassion. You know, I think I could follow a God like that. I could fear other kinds of gods. I think I could be afraid of a God who was all-powerful and did not have a broken heart. I could probably obey a God that was all-powerful but unbroken and told me what to do, but I don't know that I could worship those gods. I don't know that I could use poetry like in the book of Psalms to describe my feelings for a God like that. But gosh, when I consider Good Friday, I can adore Jesus. He knows He went there first. He passed to the other side, but then he came back to rescue me. Tearing was at the center of the Lord's suffering on Good Friday. Um, but, but, But when that spear tore into Jesus' side, that wasn't the first time a significant tearing happened around him. There were two significant tearings that occurred that kind of bookended Jesus' ministry, and they tell us so much about God. Let me read them to you. The first one happened at his baptism. So, so listen to these words from Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It says, "'At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee "'and was baptized by John in the Jordan. "'Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, "'he saw heaven being torn open.'" And the spirit descending on him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, "You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased." And then the second significant tearing occurred immediately after his death, while he was still on the cross. So a little deeper into Mark, in Mark 1533, it says, "At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon." And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. So so notice the similarities at the beginning and the end of his life. At the beginning of his ministry, uh, he, he comes out of the water. Heaven is torn open and the father affirms him. Did I just spit on you? I got really close, <laughs> and you didn't even flinch. <laughs> At his death, the second he breathes his last, the, the veil in the temple that separated the common people from the holy of holies gets torn, and then the centurion affirms him. So, so notice, it's a two-part affirmation of identity. Heaven affirmed him, and then earth affirmed him. Heaven and earth sang together, this man really is the sinless son of God, come into the world to save the world. In both instances, heaven moved a little bit closer to earth. In the first instance, the the veil between heaven and earth got ripped apart. In the second instance, the veil that kept people away from God got ripped apart. Um, The word torn in both of those instances is interesting to me. It's the same Greek word in both places. It's the Greek word schizo. And the word means to rip rend, or tear. Um, the word literally refers to the idea of grabbing something from the top and ripping it open. You know, th- there are a lot of ways to break something apart. You know, you can, you can smash something, you can crush it, you can slice it, you can blow it up, or you can tear it. Um, th- th- this word speaks to grabbing something from the top and shredding it. Um, when I was in youth group, I don't know if Isaiah, if you ever saw this group, but I remember seeing the power team perform. Anybody remember the power team? There, was the, there were these bodybuilding evangelists. They would carry refrigerators up onto the stage and they would rip phone books in half. But but if I was ripping a phone book, or probably a piece of paper more realistically, if I rip a piece of paper, it tears from top to bottom. That's the exact word used when the veil in the temple was torn. So please, catch the image and catch the drama. The instant he comes out of the water, heaven is ripped open like God was just waiting to say he's here. It's begun. Joseph, Mary, you did your job. My son's been launched. The kingdom is here. I love you. Go for it. And then the second Jesus says it's finished and offers up his life, Immediately, that temple veil, it's almost like if it was angels or God, I don't know, but immediately, as soon as it's done, the the, the veil was torn. There's no distance now between God and humanity. And the common denominator was Jesus. His tearing brought heaven closer to us. When he was torn, when his heart broke, When the blood and the water poured out of him and ran down the slopes of Calvary, humanity found its cure, its fountain of youth, its source of unconditional love. You are not alone in your heartbreak. Good Friday proves that. And you're not doomed to your heartbreak. Easter Sunday proves that. And that'll be our message on Sunday. Tonight, let me bring the worship team back up here. I want us to do a couple of things. As I'm going through the list of all the possible heartbreaks, it could be that you've, you've got some pieces to your heart tonight that aren't firmly fused together. Tonight when we receive communion, I want us to bring the pieces of our heart back to Jesus. Maybe you're doing pretty good. Your heart's been realigned, but it's still a little fragile. You know, they say that a a broken bone heals stronger, but it takes a while before it gets to that place. Maybe you will be stronger, but you're still a little vulnerable tonight. I want you to bring that part of your life to Jesus. But but also, if you survey the condition of your soul tonight and you realize, I think I'm pretty good, there's no clearly discernible cracks or breaks in the foundation, then I want you to act as a proxy. And in the same way that we worship on behalf of someone else, I want you to visualize Picking up the contents of someone else's heart because everybody in the room knows somebody whose heart has been going through it. And I want you by faith to scoop up the fragments of that person's heart and say, Jesus, would you put them back together again? His brokenness brought heaven close enough to heal our brokenness. And it's really pretty fascinating. There's something about pure pain impure pain can turn bitter. Unhealed hurts can become hurtful. But when we let God cleanse and when we grieve and mourn and fix and repair, our brokenness can actually heal someone else's brokenness. And so let's ask God to do that tonight. Don's going to lead us in communion. And as he takes us into receiving the elements by faith, let's ask God to cleanse, wash, renew, repair, and repeat. And then we're going to worship, and then we are going to end tonight with a little bit of prayer. We're going to pray for the world. We're going to pray for Ukraine. We're going to pray for the broken hearts of our planet tonight and kind of act as God's servants and intercessors. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.